What's up, Mike? Hola. I'm excited about this topic today, too. You know I like talking about this kind of stuff anyhow. Know thyself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the way we were talking about starting it is to talk about how knowing ourselves and knowing yourself, let's define it actually at first. I would say you're never really going to completely know yourself because you're always changing as is everybody. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're kind of just trying to figure out what your tendencies are, you know, what, what thing, how you behave in certain situations. If you had to predict how you would behave in certain situations, um, you can ask yourself questions. And that's why I like a lot of personality types tests help with this because they give you some describing words for knowing how to describe your tendencies, I would say. But that's how I think of know thyself when it comes to it. Do if you do you have any different way of thinking of know thyself? Well, basically, yeah, just a, I guess a, a buzzword would be just general self-awareness um, mm-hmm. and, and being aware in different situations and knowing how you're going to react in different situations and being aware enough of yourself and your traits and tendencies to be able to pause in conversations and kind of know how to direct yourself and, and how to respond in different situations. So that's just kind of my thought on know thyself. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. So how how do you know yourself or how, where did you want to go? So I think of this, a lot, obviously, in terms of, of health and fitness being really useful because if you know what your tendencies are, you can plan around them. And this is also why I find having a coach to be really useful because if you and your coach know what your tendencies are, you can set up in your environment in a much more successful way for you to do the things that you're trying to get yourself to do. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So that's why that's why I think it's really useful. And it's not exactly like you're going to turn yourself into an automaton or anything of that nature. But it's really just what's the what's the most likely scenario in this situation based on what I know about myself and my lifestyle? And then how can I take a baby step like we always talk about? in the direction that I want to be going versus in the direction that I tend to be going right now. All right, let's do an easy one then. Okay. Okay. All right. So like for me, uh, like, so if you, so how do you figure this out? Well, you could take a personality test, right? That would be one, one way. Um, and so a lot of personality tests will tell you if you're introverted or extroverted, Mm -hmm. which is probably the most accurate, diagnosis i don't think diagnosis is the right word though most accurate observation you can get from most of these i would say is introvert extrovert and most of these are all on a spectrum as well and they and they can be time dependent for example you take this now and you take it five years later you might see a different result for example but it's likely that that result is only shifted versus Mm -hmm. completely changed from one end of the spectrum to the other Yes, exactly. And I have, I mean, I have noticed that over time, because I've pretty consistently taken these tests, I would say over the past five years or eight years or so. And I have Mm -hmm. shifted. So, so I know, and I think and I'm, 
how it shifts is interesting too. And I, I love that you said that because one thing that I don't like about like traits and, and all this kind of stuff and, and is that it can put you in your, in a box, right? But you're the one who has kind of explained it to me in a way that has helped me. And, and I've actually used these a lot more because my thinking is like, so if you tell me that I'm introverted and I'm judging and, and yeah, there's some of them that have some negative connotations to them. Well, yeah, sure, sure. But they also, they also spin them in a, in a light that should help you. Right. Yes, for sure. Exactly. Especially the tests that I prefer, I would say they, they tend to put them in a much better light. Um, they, and, and a good test usually is a good amount of questions, yeah. I would say, and a varying amount of, uh, ways to weigh those questions. So you'll have scales on those tests, like one to five, and then you'll have different kinds of scales. For example, usually most Myers-Briggs tests, most, um, all of the, this is why I like big five is kind of like the gold standard for me. Almost yeah. all of the big five tests I've taken, are pretty good with having good questions and a good amount of questions. I think that's because it's the most researched and most popular right now in, in most research, but even like Enneagram, I think can be useful for some people as well. Okay. And I, don't, I don't mean that in a mean way, by the way, I, this is for, for those of you who love Enneagram and are listening, but what is an Enneagram? I don't Enneagram? even no, you haven't. So Enneagram is actually the name of a shape, I believe, which is a nine-sided shape. Okay, I see it. Yeah. So it Enneagram looks at personality from nine different aspects. Okay. I guess, and though, and though, those different personalities, like one through nine, have in Enneagram what they call wings. Mm-hmm. And those wings describe other parts of that dominant personality number. Okay. Okay. Pretty interesting. And it, it, and it all basically, like I said, gives you good ways to describe yourself, but doesn't mean that this is how it's going to be forever. It's just where you are right now. Yeah. And when you, what you said made me remember another caveat that I like to tell people when they're thinking about this and trying to utilize this in the best way is that you really want to work on, if you're not already doing it as much as possible, cultivating a growth mindset when you're, when you're thinking about these and you're looking at these. You don't want to think of it in terms of a... I forget what the opposite of the growth mindset is a stagnant mindset. That's I know that's not right. <laughs> Do you know what the opposite of the growth mindset was? No, I absolutely not. Just somebody who sits around uh, and chooses to be lazy. And- oh, I know what it is. Fixed, fixed, a fixed mindset. Okay. Fixed mindset. So a fixed mindset is what you said a minute ago, which is probably where you were a little bit more when you were looking at the personality tests, which is they say, this is what I am. And I don't think I'm going to, I am this, or I'm going to be this forever. Like, how could they even know that I am this forever? You know, and it's not, and that's why it's, it's not forever. It's just, what are you now? And like, how far on that spectrum are you? Gives you a good example of like 
if you want to get better in that domain, how you could do that. Yeah. And if you have a fixed mindset, you're not going to think like that. Sure. But if you have a growth mindset, if you think that things um, are constantly changing and you can grow and change as well, then you, you have a lot more ability, I think, to actually leverage this in the right way. Right, right, exactly. All right, so you had you told me so you said how like how can we use this or whatever, and so yeah. I was I was going into uh, introversion and extroversion, mm-hmm. and and so so what I've noticed over time is that my introversion has has just increased more and more over time. Yeah. So how can that change from say eight like eight or ten years ago to now, right? And and. And I used to love, so I worked at gyms for like seven years or eight years, and I would love going into the gyms and talking with people, talking with members and trainers and stuff like that. Um, and, and, and I used to love that. And I know now, and it, maybe it's just because I'm not in the gyms all the time. My introversion has gone down a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm curious if that's like one of the reasons, but what I'm going at here is like, so if I'm. Back then, I would definitely choose to go to a gym. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I love my home gym, mm-hmm. and 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 that I have shifted from maybe like a fifty fifty introvert extrovert to like mm-hmm. almost like a ninety percent introvert to ten percent extrovert. So mm-hmm. I've shifted a, a good deal in the past five or ten years. But yeah. I do, and I and and it shows in my workouts. Like, how do I, I love to? be at my house now with my own music with nobody around me by myself and like that's my favorite workout time compared to i used to love having a workout partner going to the gym you know playing basketball and then jumping back in the gym and like hanging out with people and stuff so i i know for me like that's like a that's an easy one that i think a lot of people can look at like if they're introverted or extroverted well mm-hmm. if you go to the gym you're you might feel nervous you know you uh if if you are an introvert you can still do it by all means um but but you should think about your tendencies and maybe make a better plan uh, for you going in the future, and that might help you stick with it a little more. I think that's a good point because it brings up the fact that th- there's certain behaviors that you're going to do that are going to put a load on you mentally. And, and the reason I say load is is because I think of it a lot like uh, load that you carry when you're weightlifting, for example. And so it's not that you can't go to a gym and get good results if you're a strong introvert or you can't get good results in like a group class. I, I hear people, I hear people in my ear right now being like, but I love group class and I'm a strong introvert, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just that the barriers are going to be a little bit heavier in most situations but you can find situations where that's not the case you know that's why the tests like the the myers-briggs and all those tests they're not perfect and they're on a sliding scale and and even if you're like even if i'm a way introvert doesn't mean i can't go to the i like going to the gym from time to time you know so yeah but if you feel for example that like it's hard to get into a routine 
and you're trying to force yourself to go into an environment that is a heavier load for you, for example, or trying to create a new behavior that is against what your personality tends to go towards, Mm -hmm. then it's really useful to understand that and see that. And a lot of times when people do these tests, they see the results of the test and they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense why that's so hard for me. Yeah. You know, and then they can reassess a little bit. And that and that's really one of the big reasons why I think this is really useful is that you can you can get a good picture about where your strengths are, you know, and where your weaknesses may be, mentally speaking. And how do you apply that to getting into a good routine? So oh. introvert extrovert is a great example of that. Yeah. Do you have another example that relates to the gym? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Let's I want to I want to hear another example. Because like oh. the introvert extrovert's an easy one, I think, for everybody. Right, right. So another one, um, there's, I mean, I'll just start with the next one in my mind. So conscientiousness on the big five scale, for example, is a measure. I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, but it's a measure of people's ability to plan and organize and in in so many words, create order in, in environments. Uh, a person's ability to exercise self-discipline and control in order to pursue their goals. Yeah. So how how much does that affect your ability to you know go go towards your fitness goals? Pretty strongly, you know. Yeah. Now I have I have seen many very highly conscientious people still have a hard time because they may be putting all that conscientious conscientious energy into their work or their kids. And then they just are burnt out by the time it gets to, and they don't want to think anymore, which is why they get a trainer (laughs) because they value a lot of times I have very conscientious clients as clients because they value that order and that planning and all the things that go into being really conscientious, but they've just spent all that energy. Right, right. They're like, they're not putting that value into exercise. Which, right. which we would definitely recommend should be high up there, but I weren't. I'm obviously right. Certain times in your life, your kids are a higher value, or your your. I think just riding the momentum of the habits that they've been in their whole life, you know. Oh yeah, and it's hard to get off that train, basically. And they're just used to spending. It's like somebody who's used to getting like Starbucks coffee every morning, you know. Exactly. They could just, be, they could just have a a home gym, aka a Keurig or some, or like an espresso machine, <laughs> you know, yeah. but they're so used to doing it and it's the way that they're used to it. And it feels like less effort overall because they don't have to change what they're doing. Right. Right. Uh, well, let's do the, some of the big five. Like what about openness? Yeah. Openness. Yeah. I would say openness um, is one of those ones when it comes to fitness that, kind of plays on other personalities like it's like openness and this openness and that will change how you affect how you uh in effect approach your fitness openness a lot of times when i think of someone who's really open i think of someone who likes more variety Mm -hmm. in their routine for example they like experiencing different things they like seeing different things they like learning new things Right. For example, so somebody who's really open is going to be craving that kind of thing. 
So if you're if you're in a really regiment, or if you think you need to get into a really regimented routine, for example, for for results for fitness, and that's keeping you from getting into a routine, yeah. And then you take the personality test, and you find out you're really high on the openness scale. Maybe you need a routine that's more like oh, pick up pickleball, you know, every once in a while, or go on a walk with a friend in a in a new on a new trail, you know. Right. Like a rotating routine of going through like these different fitness classes. You throw or, some randomness in there. Right. Or ask a coach for a program that changes often in these ways or challenges you in these ways that are new and different, you know, or enables you to do something new and different or have a goal that's new and different than what you've done before. Right. Right. Oh, I love it, man. And if you're not very open, for example, say you score low on the openness, you, you probably want something very familiar. You yeah. know, you don't want it to change a lot and you want to just get the results and and do the thing that you need to do and move the fuck on. You know, you just want to do a simple squat, a simple dumbbell row, a simple deadlift and a simple press and be done every yeah, day. GTFO, <laughs> basically. You know? All right. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so that so that's another good one. I, mm-hmm. I really, I really like that because the openness is key. I like having a random day, like a kind of a wild card day. And, mm-hmm. and if you do know that you're open, I think that's a good thing to add. And what that means is just like, uh, I'd usually take Saturday and I mm-hmm. make it a little bit harder, but yeah, more random, like maybe a long hike, maybe basketball, uh, mm-hmm. just, just, just something that's a little bit, maybe more fun too. Yeah. And I noticed myself. I have to, I have to do that for myself. Like I have to have healthy activities that aren't rigidly planned. Yeah. Which always surprises my clients. Cause I think they think I'm much more orderly and planned and whatnot. And, and openness and conscientiousness tend to um, diverge from each other a lot of times. So okay. like the more open you are, the least likely you are to be conscientious. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true because you can get sidetracked. Like, if you're very open, you can just be like, "Oh, let me go down this rabbit hole." Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So they do. They do. Um, kind of oppose each other in a lot of ways. Okay. But yeah, I find I find that I do have to do that for myself, or else I won't stay on track in the long term as easily. What about agreeableness? So that's the next one: agreeableness and fitness. Yeah, agreeableness. Um, if you're highly agreeable, you're more likely to listen to the the experts, for example, whoever your experts are, and 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 be okay with doing what they say. If you're highly disagreeable, um, you're going to be more likely to question what the what the current norms are, for example. And that that may play into your skepticism, possibly, if you're not in a good routine with working out. Or it, but it could, but if you find something that's kind of like rebellious to the norm, you know, that's a fitness activity that all the rebels do, that would be an interesting uh, type of uh, demographic for a business to have, you know, like rebel types. Rebel fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's out there already. (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's a there was a company I knew for a while that was called Rebel, and it was a kettlebell company. And oh, nice! It was all about like unconventional fitness training. Right. I thought that was great. I thought that was a great idea. 
Okay, now let me ask Everybody you. Everybody had tattoos. Everybody had like quarter sleeves at least. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, yeah. now, what if you're highly agreeable versus a uh, a low on the agreeable scale, right? Yeah. Now, the highly agreeable person will, could potentially go from topic to topic kind of agreeing so they're they're they kind of agree with everybody they're like switzerland almost you know they yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. also though if you're low on the agreeable scale you can deny everybody uh, like so so you're you can almost agree the non-agreeable and the agreeable will almost end up agreeing because because well, anytime what's that there's a paradox actually when you when you take two ends of a spectrum i think it's called the horseshoe paradox okay Basically, so if you think of a horseshoe and you think about one end of a spectrum on one end and another end of the spectrum on the other end, the the two ends of the spectrum are actually closer to each other. Right. Than than the, like, the mid. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I can see that on that one. You start to come, (laughs) yeah, and a lot, there's there's a phenomenon like that in a lot of things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. right. The last one uh, of the big five is neuroticism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So neuroticism, I would say, would keep a lot of people from going to uh, big gyms. Yeah, right. Yep. You'd want more of a private gym if you're going to a gym. Like, say you're an extrovert, but you're highly neurotic. Yeah. (laughs) You'd want a private gym where you trust people to take care of you and, and, and for it to be a safe place. Okay, okay. Um, if you're, if you're less neurotic, you might want to take risks more and do more risk taking type things for your fitness endeavors, for example, or your fitness endeavors might, um, be training for an event that, that excites you because of, of its high risk, high reward type of thing. Okay. So as like a coach, you could kind of figure that out and give that to you. And if you're just trying to figure it out yourself, then you can, that that's a way you can develop your plans a little better. Yeah. And as a coach, this is, this is also why I like this as a coach, because the more I know about my client's personality and tendencies, the more I can, for example, help a very neurotic person feel more safe and, and comfortable in, right. in the environment versus a less neurotic person is probably going to be more happy-go-lucky, just go with the flow kind of person. Right, right. Okay. And that, and that person, you may actually have to a more uh, or a less neurotic person. You probably have to. When I think of my less neurotic clients, um, just just make sure the path is clear for them to go down. You know, yeah. because but that might be the same for both. Neurotic is interesting. Actually, because as a coach, you still want to, no matter who it is, you want to make everybody feel comfortable. Sure. You know? So that's kind of a goal, whether they're neurotic or not. Uh, a lot of things, neurotically speaking, I feel like you cater to the neurotic side and the non-neurotic is happy as well. Yeah. You know? Sure, sure. Yeah, I haven't thought about that one as much. Lots of paradoxes here with, with personality, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and I think that's... That's why before I started having talks with you, I was always so skeptical on personality is because it is always changing and and you can choose who you are 
uh, you know, at different times if you're in control of yourself, but, but really knowing, but I have learned that knowing the tendencies can help and, Mm -hmm. and not as much for myself, but, uh, and this is kind of where I want to go next, uh, is, is like uh, just my relationships. So Mm -hmm. my, my relationships with, my kids in particular, mm-hmm. uh, but also my wife, definitely. Um, and then my friends. Um, and, and I think knowing your, knowing yourself has been around for so long. Uh, like, I mean, it even goes back. Uh, it was in, do you know any of the details from Know Thyself before I go? One of the early Greek philosophers, it's either Socrates or Aristotle. It's probably Aristotle. Yeah, I don't even know one of those, but I mean, it was inscribed in the Temple of Apollo, uh, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, pretty, sure, pretty sure it was Aristotle. Yeah. And every single I mean, every single Stoic philosopher always talks about knowing thyself. And I mean, it's really one of the most important things. Um, but I and I think that is because of of the relationships. I mean, we were relating to fitness, of course, we're a fitness podcast, but uh, well, so, the relationship you have with your health. Yeah, with your health and and health, a big part of health is your social health. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my personal fit quest with with figuring out my personality and being trying to be more in touch with my personality and traits uh, has helped with my kids because and knowing knowing who I am. So like uh, for me, for an introversion extroversion thing, I I cannot go to the store like with with the kids during at 5 p.m right like i freak out yeah especially at rush time oh my goodness yeah i feel you i feel you i get it that makes sense and and so and it's hard for me as a strong extrovert and i can't imagine like yeah as a strong introvert and and so how do you how do you uh relate that to your relationship right like i i know that i might get uh, upset with my kids because i'm going to be on a little edge so before I go into that situation, I really think about that and I become mm-hmm. aware of it and and use different techniques. Like you can use just, uh, me, you know, meditation or or anything, mindfulness. Belly breathing, box breathing. Breathing, all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, so, so before I go into those situations, because I still have to, mm-hmm. uh, I really try and focus on just calming down and knowing that it's going to be crazy for me and just, and kind of letting my kids know a little bit too, just be like, hey, Listen, I you know I don't like these kind of situations too much, uh, but so just really help me out in here, and uh, and then, but telling them and just kind of having them being mentally prepared for that too, uh, kind of helps, I think. Um, so yeah. that that's how the, so that just in my kids' relationship, that's how knowing myself has helped. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very important. Another factor I think would be really useful to talk about when it comes to this is eating. I would say, and nutrition. Okay. Bring it back to fitness or whatever. I'm just going on my own personal fit quest here. So I got you. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Uh, well, it made me think of this, honestly. So how does this relate to nutrition and eating? I would say it relates in the way that you need to know yourself enough to know what kind of situ- situations, once again, are going to put a load on your ability to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. And an example would be introvert, extrovert, for example. Extroverts 
are going to react in a social eating environment different than an introvert is going to react in a social eating environment. Yeah. And you can, you can imagine how that will change um, people's coping mechanisms around food. Okay. For example, like an introvert is more likely to have a stress eating response if there's foods around that are hard for them to say no to. Right. Now and let me ask you, like what, uh, so what about an addict? Cause I was going to talk about that. Uh-huh. Addictive qualities, but are you kind of going into that with this introvert extrovert thing or is that separate? Can I do that separately or what do you, what do you think? I think you could go into that. Yeah. So, so if we talk about an addict, for example, going into a situation Addict is is a strong word. Very strong. Yeah. Um, But for the sense of this conversation, I would say addict meaning somebody who is having, is repeating a behavior that they know is detrimental to them, but they're still doing it. Right. That, that's pretty simple, right? Yeah. So that's what if, I like. you're, if you're likely to eat certain foods, you know, like all the dessert in certain situations, yeah. You know, in in a uh, at the fam at the family gathering because it's stressful, you know, and and ice cream is one of your foods that you go overboard with, you know, yeah. you tend to go overboard with. Knowing this ahead of time. And this is a little bit less even just personality. Like you don't even have to know your personality as much as you just know what your tendency is in right. this matter. You know? right. But this is another example of knowing yourself in terms of these situations are a higher load on my ability to make good decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're an addict <laughs> of ice cream, <laughs> ice cream addict. Yes, right? me, me, yeah. Right? Do you know there's going to be ice cream there? Is it likely to be ice cream there? Could you go into that situation like Josh just did with his kids, for example, in the grocery store? Could you go into that situation using certain tools that you've acquired over time? And if you don't have those tools, talk to a coach. <laughs> but Or Google it, ask ChatGPT. <laughs> but you can take those tools and you can practice with them and you can give people around you a heads up and you can communicate in a way that will reduce that load. And that can be extremely useful, extremely useful over time, especially if you find yourself in scenarios like that often, because yeah. then you're going to need practice getting better. And that's where that growth mindset comes in too, that we were talking about where it's not that I can't have ice cream around me, for example. You know, this is also going into the, do you believe in abstinence uh, as a, as a good general policy for uh, negative behaviors too? Right. Right. You know, I'm not much of an abstinence kind of person. Okay. Honestly. I'm much more of a know thyself kind of person and, and plan accordingly kind sure. of person. And this That's is coming true. from someone who's not a very good uh, natural planner. So... <laughs> And have you always been like that, or do you think it, it shifted a little bit? Oh, it, that, it shifted because I was not good at planning, but I was able to recognize that I was not good at naturally good at planning and organizing and being conscientious, for example. 
but then realizing that the environment that I lived in rewarded people. Most, most environments are going to reward you for being more conscientious. Right. Um, so if I got better at it, I was rewarded for it. Right. And that's how you get those behaviors to shift, for example. But you have to take that growth mindset and be able to understand that, okay, I may not be naturally good at this situation right now, but I can grow and I can use tools and I can be aware more often and I can practice that so I can get better. And it's interesting having the growth mindset because you can have a growth mindset and then still aspects of your life are fixed like so for instance like say say the the ice cream thing i know like that's a thing for me it's just sweets for me i mean and that's a real thing i mean i need to think about it i'd be like all right i'm only gonna have one sweet you know before i go into situations i really do need to think about it uh right. and so you need so, a cord there with the ice cream huh huh <laughs> i think i need a cord with the ice cream <laughs> um so but you have to choose though what to grow right and and so so i think you just need to that's a, that's one thing i mean you can have a growth mindset um but if you if something comes up in your life all the time then that's the time where that particular part of your life you need to put a little effort into i think and grow because there's there's a million things in your life that you need to get better at and it's tough to choose but I, I think when you're aware and you just you really try and know yourself, you're going to notice these things that happen all the time. And food is a big thing. I mean, food's around you all the time and knowing your tendencies around food. Uh, hey, if you're dry, if you drive a certain way, do you stop at McDonald's? Hey, maybe take the other route so you won't you won't pass the McDonald's uh, on your way to work uh, like those little things, knowing those tendencies can mm -hmm. make you a lot more healthy and save you in the long run. Right. So, okay, let's talk about putting it into action. I okay. think. Okay. So, cause that was a really good example of, of putting things into action. So a lot of times when I talk to people, um, especially when I was, when I was working as a health coach, uh, more, more as my primary function versus now I'm doing a lot more personal training with less health coaching. Okay. Um, but when I worked as a health coach, the conversations would typically go in this way, which is we talk about how people are doing, talk about what they're trying to get better with. And then a lot of times what health coaches do nowadays is what's called motivational interviewing. Have you heard of motivational interviewing? Yes, a little bit. Okay. So motivational interviewing in a nutshell is what you do after you talk about those things to elicit a, an action or a suggested action that they can take, but you elicit it from the client or from the person being coached. So the coach isn't saying, hey, why don't you go, why don't you just drive a different route, you know, past that McDonald's? But instead they think, you ask them like, well, what do you think would be useful to help you improve that? mcdonald's behavior and then they say you know i've been thinking i could take this other route for example because then they're more likely to actually do that versus me telling them to do that right but the point of me saying that is that if you just stop for a second and you kind of spitball 
a little bit and think about what you've been doing and what you're trying to do and how you could change that, those ideas will pop in your head. You're right. right. But you you just got to kind of pause for a moment. And step back. Like you pause, step back, look at the situation, take a breath. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so many times that you can see something differently. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci says to you look at it three different ways. Uh, Like, so like as soon as you, and this is like everything in life, like Mm -hmm. you look at it up front, you take a step back and you look at it and then you look at it from the other side. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I do that in golf too, by the way, if you're reading putts, look at Mm -hmm. it from all three angles, but anyway, uh, but uh, that, slope, that slope and the uh, grade and the cut of the grass. Yeah. <laughs> you just never know. Never know. How do you feel the grass, how wet it is or how, how uh, dry it is? I look at how wet and dry it is, but I don't yeah. feel it too much. <laughs> like you throw it up in the air and see which way the wind goes. Sometimes. Yeah. Like grab a chest hair and, and throw it up <laughs> in the air and see which way it goes. <laughs> Just like let out one tear as you pull it out. <laughs> yes. <Sorry. laughs> I, could, I couldn't help it. I had to go. Um, so what was my point though on that? I'm trying, I lost my point completely. Motivational interviewing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So f- figuring out how to actually implement this. Basically. Yes. And the way, the way you want to implement it is you want to – you want to take that step back, okay, and then you want to kind of motivationally interview yourself, you know, like what, who, what, when, where, why, how type questions for yourself mm-hmm. in terms of changing the behavior that you're trying to influence. And then have that list of options and then, okay, how can I measure this? Right. And we go back to our smart goals, basically, that we talked about so many times. Right. How can I measure this? How can I how can I break this down into small uh, pieces? Right. And then how can I revisit that enough times where I can get practice getting better at that? Those are called like feet. Are those like feedback loops? Mm -hmm. Like you Mm -hmm. just kind of really try and go back and forth and get a little bit better a little bit better, right. little bit to better. train you to train your brain to have a new normal. Yeah. Yeah. And then In- integration, I think is what they call it is the buzzword these days for that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's totally a buzzword right now. Integrate <laughs> it. You have to say it, you have to say it calmly. We need to integrate. Integrate. But it so. is so true. Right. I mean, cause you, you don't just, you don't just learn something. You really have to put it into your life. And especially when you're trying to change yourself uh, or just know yourself. I, I, one thing that I want to talk about that, like, so, okay. So we put it, how to implement it is pretty much, I mean, you just, you have to find strategies to implement it. Like, so, so I, I like your idea of the motivational interview and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then putting it into plan. Basically now, motivational interviewing plus tiny steps, I would say is a really good way to implement this. Right. Into your and then measuring and, and revisiting in a feedback loop. Okay. So you could do like an actual, like real experiments almost. Right. Yep. 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 Okay. I like it. Um, so where are we going next? What, what, what else about know thyself? Is, why do we, well, why do we want to talk about this in the first place? 
what do you think was like the main impetus for this? I think because we like philosophy so much, because we like the psychological aspects of health and fitness, I would say. Yeah. And I think it's a big part about growth. Um, I think knowing thyself for me was for most of my life, I was just living and I mm-hmm. wasn't even thinking about knowing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and you, have, you have to at first, right? Like you have to have a lot of input before you can have a lot of output. Sure. Yeah. Well, in like, in what way? I mean, like, I think, I think I was just blind to this kind of stuff, you know, I, I mean, I, I would just go through life and there was nothing, there was no, know myself. Like I knew, what did I know? I knew that I had to go to school and then I knew that I had to get a job and there was no like thinking into myself. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, and I know you started earlier than, than I did in like your growth. I think it's the switch from fixed to growth mindset in a, like a, a complete switch. Totally. And I, I, th- I, th- I think that was, is what it is. Um, or do you think a lot of people don't even think about knowing thyself and they just kind of live and they don't think about, yeah, uh, what is the point? Like, why? Why do I need to know that I'm introverted, extroverted? I'm just living. Um, yeah. And do you think that a lot of people don't even think about this stuff, or do you? Or, or what do you? What do you think? I think the distribution is probably strongest at at the ends with this one in terms of uh, people when they say they know themselves. A lot of times. I ask them to describe themselves and it's hard. So then I like to ask people, how would your best friends describe you? Sure. You know, the people closest to you describe you. And then that helps a little bit and you get a little bit more accurate, but I think it's hard for a lot of people. And then the other times it's, it's so easy for people to say it that they're, they're almost showing signs of being too fixed in their, in their mindset, you know, and I yeah. think the, I think when I think when you're not completely sure that you know yourself, you know, but you have a good idea and you're and you're actively working on improving yourself, you're yeah. in a you're in a good place on that spectrum. But being completely ignorant, not really knowing how to describe yourself, is not a it's not a ideal place to be in, or being very stuck in your ways, I would say, is not a very good place to be in either. So right. you got to so adapt could, a little bit of both of those. So you could be super highly aware of who you are, but mm-hmm. with a fixed mindset. And, right. and, and that can kind of be, that could be a little bit dangerous. Like, But you know yourself, you know yourself well, and you can probably manage your life really well by knowing yourself. Right. But we do think that having we are in our opinions, the the growth mindset would be the better part here. And I do think that you could still have a growth mindset, even if you're if like if you're fixed into that one personality. Right. But maybe you're not trying to shift your personality or anything like that. You're just you're just getting better at certain things, you know, that that aren't that don't have anything to do with your personality. Right. Right. And, and I see how those kind of oppose each other i get that yeah like it doesn't definitively make complete sense i would say but yeah i think of it like four squares 
you know, like a gene genealogy, uh, those four squares that they make you go through in, in general biology 101. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you got the, you got the people who know themselves really well and the people who don't know themselves very well and like the top part of the four squares. And then you got the people who have a fixed mindset and the people who have a growth mindset, you yeah. know, and how those combine are, are ways to, as, as a coach, know how, how we navigate the waters, how quickly and how hard and how much we push, yeah. you know, and having, I would say the best combination is knowing yourself really well, but having a growth mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Generally. And, like and the, I, I don't see a lot of use in a fixed mindset. It's there, there could be some, and I could be convinced otherwise, but it's probably more rare. I would say. Right. And I think we're like we were saying, everything's kind of on a, a scale, you know, I mean, yeah. to say that somebody has a hundred percent fixed mindset or a hundred percent growth mindset is crazy. It be, yeah, It's not like probably one of the reasons why we don't think about it that much. Cause it's, I don't think I've ever seen it. Growth, growth is in action, you know? So, uh, so knowing, you know, like you have to act. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, and there's, you're always going to act in life in certain ways. So I think everyone is a little bit of both, but I think some are just a lot more of one and a lot more of the other. Yep. And the phase you are in your life can determine that strongly. I would it, say. Exactly. And then, but once you become fully aware of all these things, mm-hmm. then you're in some sort of control. Yeah. Of yeah, some sort. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, so now you can kind I mean, of... You're not, you're not going to keep yourself from getting hit by a random car, you know, across the road kind of thing, you know? I mean, you you could, st- you should still maybe like wear your bike helmet, you know, <laughs> for example, and take necessary precautions. Like you're not invincible and you're not going to... You haven't just like figured out everything once you hit that <laughs> perfect like balance of knowing yourself and having a gross mindset like you still got to know what the fuck to do and how to do it and juggle that with the rest of your life i would say exactly and i feel like the more you know like the less the less you really know about yourself uh, if that makes sense too uh like just another one of those paradoxes because the more you like in my experience like the more i've thought about things the less the less anything makes sense. Like, so that's what I was kind of playing at with the control thing. Yeah. Is is that like, the more you analyze your life, the more you realize that things are just random. And, Mm -hmm. and I know this is going to let you know, but at the end of the day, you just have to be like grateful and, and do what makes you happy because, because you never know what's going to happen. And, uh, and I think that's the whole point of knowing thyself is that when you know yourself, you can live your life according to what you want to be. And, and so, so every single day you live per yourself because that's all you can do because life is random and, and, and you never know what's going to happen. Amen. All right. I think that's stop right there. Yeah. All right. That's the end. See you, Mike. See you guys. Deuces.